Welcome to the Back Pocket, your wildly average podcast. On Monday, October 23rd, the boys from the Back Pocket are now repping out Podcast 27. We are rolling. We have incredible content for today and throughout the past 27 podcasts. Please tune in, subscribe, five-star review, give it all. Declan, how are we? Uh, we're great. What, one hell of an intro there, Andrew. Uh, improving. Uh, ever since podcast one, I'd say, mm-hmm. um, if you guys want to listen to how we introed and how we uh, started our first show and uh, maybe the first couple after that, uh, you can see some uh, pretty excellent improvement. Absolutely, um, and you know yeah. how we we're becoming a little less average and a little more improving across the board. Oh, what are we? What are we? What are we? What are we doing? Uh, we got an average quality. Oh. Yeah, I was going to say, even though we're like really, we have improved, we've also not improved in other categories, okay. thus making us average. I see where you're going. Yes. Um, but yeah, so uh, our average quality this week, starting off the show like we always do, um, is we're just, we're, we're becoming a little less average at, you know, ironing, ironing and tying ties. So for myself, uh, this is the first week I've ironed something. I ironed a shirt and it wasn't very good. I figured out how it all kind of came together. And uh, it's a stingy process, might I say. Um, you have to, like, get all the wrinkles out. And, like, uh, I didn't, you have to use a lot of water. And you just, like, put the iron over it and steam it out. And that uh, the shirt, the the, the uh, geometry of a shirt is pretty uh, overwhelming at times when you're trying to iron a shirt and mm-hmm. trying to get all the creases right and everything. Uh, so I would say after my first ironing uh, event, I would say I gave, I'll give myself, like, a 5.5 out of 10 okay on the overall output on how my shirt was looking absolutely I, I, that's uh was this on the thursday or was this on saturday? uh yeah so we had our senior pictures for football yeah we had two big time events for where we had to dress up wear yeah. uh, uh full suit coat tie dress type, pants dress pants the whole works yeah and uh yeah so we had to dress up i was on thursday right yes and then boat party was on set this past saturday um but yeah we had i would say um yeah, I'd give myself about a 5.5 out of 5. I googled how to iron a shirt and, you know, followed the necessary steps, and I think I did all right. Um, I also had to, like, borrow, like, almost every other article of clothing because, uh, you know, being from Colorado and out here, you don't really uh, travel with your um, suit, so I, I, I'm lacking pretty much all the necessary materials to have a good suit, but... Uh, I actually just kind of put everything together and it looked kind of nice. So allegedly, I thought it looked. I thought it looked. I, I'd agree. Good. I think you looked like. Uh, I give you an eight point four. Okay, and yeah. I borrowed your tie, by the way. Yeah, this is a great little transition. That gave, that gave you a one point four boost. Okay, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so senior football pictures. I think we all thirty of us looked incredible. That was awesome. Yeah, everyone across the board uh, really brought brought it together. Nice, you know, looking like a bunch of meat sticks out there. And then putting on a tie really changes your whole perspective on uh, who a person is. Yeah, and, you know, being meat sticks and being uh, football guys, you know, it's tough, um, you know, finding a collar that uh, your neck can fit in. Yes. Um, so everyone always has that, that trouble getting that top button and, you know, being able to breathe. Uh, those that those two things are uh, hard to come by when you're a meat stick. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, everyone was filling out their collar. Uh, everyone had a pretty sweet tie on, uh, purple, obviously. And then uh, we were supposed to wear gray, but I don't understand. No, dark colors. Dark Dark colors. It wasn't okay. gray. It was like navy or black. Oh, that's what he said. He, yeah. We didn't want the gray. Correct. But however, I believe ten percent, twenty percent wore gray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wild. 
Um, so senior football pictures went well, and with that, I um, did not tie my tie for that event. I had Steve Harrell, thank you, first string producer, for helping us with that. Who hasn't produced our show in, like, two months, but mm-hmm. still he's our Allegedly. first string producer. Yep. And uh, so I, at that point, I was like, all right, Andrew, you know, you're not even average at this tying tie thing because you can't even tie one. You're just awful. Yeah, um, so you stepped up. I stepped up. I uh, I Googled it, uh, and I just looked at the picture, and I was like, all right, Andrew, you know, just figure it out. Foag, figure it out, Justin, go. Yep, And Easy. they put it with a little foag with urgency. With urgency, absolutely. Um, something everyone can listen, or something everyone can learn from. Absolutely. And uh, I spent all Friday night um, practicing. I bought a new tie, and I uh, just went to town practicing, figuring out how to tie it. Nice. Um, Faith can attest to it. She watched me, and she made fun of me several times, but it's all right. Okay. Um, and then by Saturday night, Saturday night rolled around, and we had a, a Roughly 30 minutes to get ready because our football game ran really long after an 84 to nothing victory. Yeah. Um, you know, the game was a little bit longer than usual. And uh, we, I hustled back, and, you know, at that time, dudes don't need that much time. We probably need five minutes to get ready. Yeah. So I, I used my time wisely. I had a great sandwich. Well, and, we should also uh, mention it takes about 10 minutes total for a guy to get ready. It takes five minutes to decide what he's wearing and five minutes to put it on. Absolutely. And, Got a uh, sandwich, though? Sandwich and tater tot hot dish. Thank oh, you, nice. uh, Christensen family. Okay. And nice. uh, rallied the group together and got my outfit. And I was, and since I knew how to tie my tie, the night went well. Easy. It was a success. That's However, cool. I gave my tie tying abilities like a five point six at okay. this point. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, you always gotta, you, you always gotta have a little dimple. Uh, that's pretty nice. You always gotta have one of them, and then your tie has to obviously like go down the belt mm-hmm. uh, for everyone that doesn't know. Um, do you think it's necessary for girls to know the tie ties? Um, no, but I think it's it's worth it. Yeah, I think I don't think it's necessary, but I think it, it goes along. I mean, way. I feel like if you're a mom and you're like you're raising your kids, and like they're going to get to the point where it's like freshman year homecoming, Ooh, they have to dress girls. up. Uh, well, then you don't have to worry about it. But yeah. like if you're if you're a mom with like your mom probably knows how to tie tie. Yeah, she tied my tie all my life. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Point proven. <laughs> so transitioning to the boat party, you know, we just had an incredible experience there. Uh, Declan, you had an experience with the captain talking back pocket content. We had a great debate earlier. Please tune in. Go back to our earlier podcast, The Great Debate, Ship versus Boat. Was that our first great debate? It was our first great debate. Yeah, so we had a, what was that? That was like back in the summer. You guys can uh, find it on, uh, find us on I, on uh, iTunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, every time you go to a big event where people are talking a lot, then that's a great word of mouth opportunity. you got to look to uh, uh, plug your podcast. Yes. I mean, that's just, that's a routine play for me at this point. Um, so we were walking onto the boat, and, you know, the captain is greeting everyone as we're walking on. And, uh, you know, as I was waiting in line, I was like, uh, so, uh, I, well, first of all, I had to identify that he was the captain. So I was like, hey, are you the captain? He's like, yeah. I was like, oh, cool, nice. I was like, uh, hey, quick question for you. Um, do you think this is a boat or a ship? And, uh, you know, he would just kind of gave me like an eye Embracing roll. debate. Yeah, I was like, okay, let's get this thing going. Let's mm-hmm. fire it up. And he's uh, he's like, uh, no, this, or he's like, uh, no, no, this is a, this is a boat. And I was like, are, are you sure? Because it's kind of like way bigger than a boat, and it's got a few engines, and, uh, you know, it's holding like up to 150, 200 people. He's like, uh, yeah, no, it's still still a boat. And I was like, well, what what classifies like a ship then? And he goes, 
I don't know what classifies it. I just know that uh, what I'm dry or what I'm sailing today or tonight is a boat. And I was like, oh, okay, well, do you think you might be wrong and it might be a ship? And he goes, no, just get on the boat. And so I just walked on the boat and I was like, all right, well, I guess this is a boat. And uh, I guess we were wrong. I guess so. Is he credible? I don't think so. Okay. I, I think his factual um, background, his like evidence behind it, was lacking. Maybe he didn't get a ship license, and he's a boat guy, and so he has a little bit of bias towards his yes. his craft. Okay. Um, he was he, he didn't want to admit that it was a ship because he didn't have his license to drive it. Yeah. Because talking to every uh, passenger on that ship, yeah, everyone kind of came to consensus that we were on a ship. I yeah, and I think the connotation was uh, led led everyone to believe that it was a boat. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until I brought up the argument that this is probably a ship that then people were like, hmm, he's got a really good point, you know? Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, people pay me to be the devil's advocate. Uh, in this case, in this case, I definitely wasn't. I think it was a hundred percent ship. It's just, at, I think people just kind of went with the flow and, you know, didn't care, but, uh, that's what we do yes. as podcasters. We take, uh, things that no one cares about and uh, make it something that people do care about. Mm-hmm. So then people, you know, got the conversation of, well, is this a ship? And do I feel safe on this ship? And when you're on a ship, um, life can hit you hard. Oh. And you may either experience some heavy seasickness or river sickness, wherever we were at, on, on a body of water. It was a river. St. Croix River. Okay, so river sickness. For all our geography guys, uh, splits separates uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So we're in Stillwater and on the St. Croix. Um, so you can either experience that, or you can experience maybe you drank too much alcohol on the boat, oh. and you need um, something to um, bring you back to reality, to bring you back to center and grounding. What what might that be? And so you know we we have this conversation all the time. You know, uh, you, you drink, and then usually you go and eat, mm-hmm. and so and eating sobers you up, right? Yes. Um, so uh, you know, I I have a girlfriend uh, in Sierra, she, uh, she, you know, she was drinking, obviously. We were all, we were all drinking. Mm-hmm. Guilty's charged, hands yep. raised here. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was a boat party. What are you going to do on a boat? You're going to drink. Yep. Or ship. A ship. Yeah, ship party. Ship party, you still drink, regardless. And you're secluded from land, so you're going to need food. Yeah. When you're secluded. And, and you don't know if there's going to be food present available on this boat throughout the whole night. Which turned out there was. And the food it wasn't was there great. the whole night. The whole night, though. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. So... You know, with limited resources, you can't just go back to the to the main uh, kitchen and grab more food to bring out. You know, whatever you bring on the boat or on the ship is what's going to be on it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being the savvy vet that I am, I uh, packed a uh, plastic bag of uh, Honey Nut Cheerios and, you know, stuffed them in my pocket. And so whenever uh, Sierra would get hungry or was uh, maybe getting a little too inebriated, uh, you know, she would come over to me, and she'd be like, hey, where are your Honey Nut Cheerios? And then I'd just reach in my pocket, and I'd pull them out. And then she'd just munch on them until uh, she was good, and then she'd give them back to me, and then I'd munch on them, and we'd be good to go along our way. A little bit of fuel fuel uh, to go ahead and recharge the night. Because mm-hmm. uh, you got to remember, when you're on ship parties, uh, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, a little life hack for me, uh, for from the guys from the back pocket, on uh, bringing a uh, little bags of snacks when you when you go out because they're pretty helpful and you know what's even more handy is when you are wearing a, a suit jacket and you got the little inside pocket yeah it's just perfect yeah and nothing's gonna get smushed in there yeah it's wearing wearing a jacket uh when your suit jacket what do you call it a suit jacket yeah well, a blazer mm-hmm. when you're wearing your blazer and you have that inside pocket you can put almost anything in there it's just i don't know how it works so well 
and it doesn't make you look any bigger because it's just a smaller pocket. So I was, yeah, I was putting my phone in there. You look super professional when uh, when these things are going on and all that stuff too. So yeah, a little life hack. And then you know, on that boat, it was a, it was a dance party. So there was the dance of, team the dance. hosted the boat ship party. Correct, and mm-hmm. there was a dance party on the on the ship. Ship, correct. So which makes sense. Yes, put two and two together. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you're on that boat, I mean, the time flew by because I, I think we danced the night away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they, they know the songs to play to get the boys going. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also know, like, uh, we're also, like, a pretty well-rounded group of dancers. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, as a podcast family, uh, we rank up amongst the top in the nation uh, for best dancers on a ship. Yes. So that's pretty sweet. Um, anyone, If anyone wants to challenge us, uh, go ahead and hit us up. Uh, you can go ahead and uh, subscribe to our podcast, uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, all those things. But again, if you need to invite us to any parties anytime soon, any anytime soon, uh, you know to to challenge us, then we're we're all we're, we're there. Wel- for we're welcoming uh, your your challenge and your 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 controversy because you believe you're better than us. Yeah, and that's fine because controversy is there. We breathe, mm-hmm. and that's just uh, kind of just the reality at this point, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know when when they put on songs like uh, Sandstorm, mm, Sandstorm, that, great. That gets the podcaster in us going. Yeah. So I mean, when I hear the song Sandstorm, uh, maybe we should play a little bit of that song in this podcast so people know what's going on. Okay. Uh, maybe. maybe a copyright infringement thing, but you know whatever. Uh, it's a great song, and you know it just gets the feet moving. And uh, when I would when I hear Sandstorm, I just start sprinting in place. Uh, showing my quick tw- twitch muscles, uh, showing my athleticism, uh, quite frankly, showing my dominance. Your dominance, your endurance. On the dance floor, uh, people are like, holy hell, this guy's about to, you know, he, this guy's fast, he's quick, um, I, I don't want to get near him, you know. Uh, but he's same, elite. Yeah, he's elite. And at the same time, they're like, wow, like, I want to be around this guy because he's also elite and I want to learn from him. So, uh, yeah, I'd say that's how I, you know, assert my dominance on the dance floors when Sandstorm comes on and I... Uh, uh, totally get after it. Mm-hmm. So all in all, thank you so much, dance team. We had you guys on the podcast, so we just wanted to return our favor of just our gratitude and our thankfulness. Yeah, absolutely. Allowing uh, the back pocket to join this incredible experience. Yeah, not not too many times do we get invited anywhere mm-hmm. uh, because we're just kind of hooligans. Um, we're kind of a liability, I think, allegedly, and uh, you know that's that's just the reality. But at the same time, we. Uh, the, t- the times that we do get, we make the most of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you, Dance Team. So Trapping the Puck, thank you so much, Dance Team. The boat party, absolute success. So now we are going to kick it over to the interview, but before we do that, we got to give you a great background of Dr. Brendel and how we um, first uh, got to know him. Yeah, so Dr. Brendel, uh, he would come into the football team, uh, not into, well, just meetings for football, and we do quick 10-minute, 10, 10 to 15-minute meditations to get our minds right. And uh, he's just a zany guy, dude. He's got all this wisdom and, like, uh, very well-spoken. Um, and he does these meditations. And, uh, you know, when you first do a meditation, it's it's super uh, extraordinary. You haven't done it before. Mm-hmm. something you haven't done. And it's super uh, abnormal as well. It's not something that you normally do. You, so when someone tells you to sit there, close your eyes, and do absolutely nothing you kind of jump to like, wow, what, like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. One thing I really appreciate about Dr. Rendell is his ability to um, hear what you have to say, listen, bring it together, and incorporate into what he has to say, 
and then it ended up just going, everything's full circle with this man, yeah. and it's fantastic. What we talked about in the beginning, um, which... Uh, our average quality. Our average quality. His of, average quality. Of ironing as well, yeah. uh, similar to us, um, and then his usage of just the wrinkles and a shirt, and tying that to meditation and life, it was just fantastic, and it really... Set the tone for a, a tremendous interview. Yeah, and uh, I would I would go ahead and say he ranks atop um, some of the one of the best interviews we've done on this podcast. Um, it's absolutely you just got to listen. You just got to listen in. You know, really focus on what he's saying because uh, it's just an absolute journey. And uh, let's let's go ahead and get after it. Marketing interns, tune in very closely for this interview. We have a meditation expert, a friend of the St. Thomas football program, Dr. Brendel. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's not also mention he is the uh, CEO of the Center Center for Ethical Organizations. So you're the CEO of the CEO. Yes, I'm the CEO of the CEO. Okay, that's, that's correct. Awesome. Yeah, that's kind of fun. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, so uh, as we start uh, with all of our guests, um, you know, we have on pretty cool people, not to brag. Um, but we always like to humble them a little bit. Um, so what is uh, your average quality? Oh, that's a good question. So we talked about this before the podcast, and, uh, you know, the, I understand that the average quality is something that you're kind of really good at sometimes and you stink at other times. Correct. And my Absolutely. average quality, I'm going to admit it here on air for the first time, is ironing. Okay. Um, ironing, it, it can be a wonderful experience. You get a nice crease. Mm-hmm. You know, it looks really good and sharp. You put it on, it feels great. Or uh, you screw it up and you actually create a, a crease or a, a dent or a, you know, a sticky spot. And it's just sort of a crapshoot every time I do it. So that would be my average quality. Okay. So, yeah. so ironing is definitely a craft. Um, but you can always get around it by just taking it to the dry cleaners. So where are you at on, or having your wife do it. So where are you at on actually ironing your clothes versus paying to get it done or... So now I have to make sure that my wife doesn't hear this podcast because she'd kill me and she would find you and yes. she'd strangle you. But I think that the thing is, is that, uh, you know, I would probably, you know, have it go to a dry cleaner, but just so dang expensive, you mm-hmm. know? I find there's two ways to get around ironing. One is uh, putting it in the bathroom or taking a shower and letting the, the, the steam, steam uh, take out the wrinkles. Mm-hmm. Or you, right after you're done washing it in the dryer, you immediately hang it up. Oh, so because if you leave it in the dryer too long, then it gets it do, it doesn't stay warm. Obviously, it gets cold, and those wrinkles just stay. You know, ironing is like a metaphor for life. You know, mm. it's like a big so? metaphor for life. Uh, you could have somebody else do it for you, right? <laughs> yes. Especially if you have a lot of money, and then you can kick back and relax. But most of us don't, uh, and uh, so you go about. Life, and I probably would talk about this a little later, but there's wrinkles kind of occur, and sometimes letting go, hanging it in the shower, not the shower, but where the steam hits, mm-hmm. just letting it go can sometimes be the best way of doing it instead of struggling with it hands on. So I can probably bring that up a little later. Awesome, Ooh. and that's what we're excited about. Okay. Where this podcast is going to happen. Okay. Um, with that being said, could you give our marketing interns a little bit of a background of yourself to give them a kind of an idea of? Um, how you came to be in your profession now? That's a really good question. So, you know what I found out later on in life is that you, a lot of people just fall into their professions, uh, and it's not as linear as we, we would hope it to be or we prescribe it. There's this hidden curriculum in society that you're going to follow a path, and, and you know what? I think there is a general flow in life, 
but it's something that's hard to see. So the goal, I would say, and this is what happened to me, is seeing the doors when they present themselves and being aware of that uh, and not having your head down working too hard where you forego those great opportunities. So I started out doing uh, curriculum development and uh, leadership development creation uh, for companies like Panasonic, uh, New York Presbyterian Hospital. I was out on the East Coast. Um, Columbia grad, right? A Columbia grad. And which, I was, is, which is why we're wearing our Cornell shirts. We wanted to put you in your place and yeah, you know, I, show you we're not just not just two random guys from uh, the Middle East, or the, not the Middle East, the Midwest. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, uh, we're out of you guys. So. I appreciate that because <laughs> another thing we'll talk about with meditation is the humbling of the self, which mm-hmm. is, you know, saying, you know what, you, you, you went there, you're, you're a CEO, you're a big shake. Yeah, you know what, I'm a human being, you know. Mm-hmm. I come in here with you guys, you're talking about ironing and that's what I love about this podcast series is that it's really about the sort of the everyday kind of thing. Yes. And uh, so I appreciate you having me on. But yeah, I did night school at Columbia uh, while I was working and I just got to this point where I knew there was something more in life, you know, and I, I didn't, I sort of didn't reach my potential yet. Um, and so I went back to graduate school because I was really interested in how adults learn differently than kids, you know. For kids, it's like you put you know, information, they call it the banking methodology. You put information in their heads like mathematics or equations. Um, and then you hope that they remember it and they can regurgitate it. But there's no real, I mean, professors, I hope you're not listening, but, you know, algebra, I, you know, is a very little chance, you know, a very, very tiny chance that you're actually going to apply algebra when there are algorithms online that can help you do that. What really occurs in adulthood, especially nowadays, it's so complex. The world is moving so rapidly. Um, and, you know, you've got, like, geopolitical issues. You've got, you know, technological advance. We've got drones delivering things now for the first time. In Iceland, it's been approved. There are drones flying around. But the ability to deal with that kind of complexity and rapid change, that's the way, that's the, the way that adults need to learn. Uh, and be able to develop resilience and deal with everyday life. So I went back to Columbia and learned all about that field. And then I got even more interested in it, and I decided that I didn't want to just, you know, be the guy who does what's already being done. I wanted to be an innovator. So I decided to become a scholar uh, and an academician and do research. So we can talk about that a little later. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. And that led you to finding per se, your passion in meditation, would you say? Well, it's interesting because it's actually something more personal that got me into meditation. And this is uh, one of life's wrinkles that presented itself in 2009. Uh, And that was the death of my sister. She was a couple years younger than me, and uh, I was taken aback by it. And I noticed that I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I had all these anxieties. Um, So if the listener's thinking... You know, I've got these anxieties too. This this will relate to you because it's a very human trait. Um, I couldn't get my mind to just slow down and like uh, let go for a little while, and even give myself permission because I felt, gosh, I'm responsible. I'm her brother. I have to think about this all the time. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I Googled it. Like when in doubt, go on Google. You know, and I said, how do I get my mind to like relax because it's moving too fast and up popped 
John Kabat-Zinn, who's this meditation guru. He's a professor emeritus up at uh, MIT, and now he's teaching at the Massachusetts uh, University of Massachusetts. And I decided I'm going to go directly to him, and I'm going to learn directly from John Kabat-Zinn. Why not, right? I've got a big problem, so why not go to the best? And so I got trained by him in how to facilitate meditation, how to meditate. It was a pretty intensive uh, course. And I found that it, was, it had done everything that I was looking for. And then I thought, man, what would happen? Because I'd been studying leadership. What would happen if I taught leaders how to practice mindfulness? And what type of influence would that have on them dealing with complexities in organizational life and the people they lead? And so I began to take what had been a personal thing and applied it back into the academic world, into something that was quite innovative at the time, but now has become like this big thing. They have conferences on it. And so it's interesting because like that ironing story, uh, you know, just to be, a, be able to, the, sort of the ability to let go um, is what made a profound shift occur in my life. Yep. So is the mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> that's very cool. very interesting. So you 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 talk about oh here's our uh, psychic strength producer Mark. Hello Mark. Hey, Hello, Mark. How's you it doing? Good. Good to Good see you. Yep. Mark, could you take a picture for us real quick? Yes. Yeah. That would be great. So Doctor B, we're gonna it's a really good podcast. Uh, we're, we're we want to we want to do a meditation later in the interview. Uh, all right. So just for all of our Mark interns, we wanted to take a picture of us practicing meditation. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. So let's fake it till we make it. Yep. <laughs> All right, sweet. So cool. back to it. Uh, <laughs> we were so you mentioned talking about uh, helping like leaders lead, or um, your profession being like how do adults learn, and then you connecting that with meditation. So how does meditation like how does first of all how does meditation work, mm-hmm. and then how does that that affect um, people in their leadership roles and like how they actually develop cognitively? That's a really Good. You like, if I could just go back to the recording later and like play that back and remember exactly how you framed it, <clears throat> because it, it couldn't be framed any better to describe my research. Yeah, um, fist bump for that one. Yeah, a, a mindful fist bump. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, you know, so let's start with what is meditation. Um, now, there's like thousands of traditions out there for meditation. Um, but it really started about 2,500 years ago uh, in, a, in a small place in India uh, by a guy named Siddhartha Gautama. And uh, later on, he became known as Buddha, mm-hmm. the Buddha. Um, and, you know, the idea behind meditation, there's lots of books you can read and things you can do. But I find that the most helpful definition is the one that John Kabat-Zinn provides, which is the simplest one which is the whole spirit of meditation. And that definition is paying attention. Now, let me back up. It's actually the awareness. It's the, that quality of awareness that arises by paying attention on purpose in the present moment without any judgment whatsoever, right? So an example of that would be if you're sitting here and you're, you're doing nothing, right? And you're just kind of listening to what's occurring and your awareness is expanding and you say to yourself is it working do I feel relaxed am I a bad meditator those are all judgments and so it's the practice of letting go ultimately it's the judgments themselves that are the narratives of our lives that 
create a lot of angst and anxiety for us. Um, so if you think about football and the application for Coach Caruso and the Tommies, uh, you make one bad play, and you know if you're not good at letting go, uh, at just listening to your breath and that resetting, it can affect the rest of your game, and it's really hard for some people to let go. And it's it's a lot like a workout. And I give I give Coach Caruso a lot of credit for recognizing that it's it's a practice. You know, the Buddhists say practice makes practice. It doesn't make perfect. There's no perfect. It's continuous. So the nature of mind is, they call it monkey mind. I mean, if you like just sit still and you listen to your thoughts, and we'll do that in a second, you begin to see that, you know, oh my goodness, my brain just doesn't stop. Well, the truth is, is you're not alone. That's just how the mind works. So Buddha was a great psychologist of sorts. He just decided to you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to think about thinking. I'm just going to listen, right? Because listening is very powerful. I'm going to listen to my thoughts. And what's going on? And where do my thoughts go? And he discovered that the thoughts that you have tend to go in one of a couple of directions. And they both cause a different negative impact on you. So if your thoughts go to the future, right? And like, what I, I've got a class later. I've got this or that. Um, you, you're you begin thinking about a future that doesn't yet exist, right? And you have all these assumptions about what that future is going to be like, and oftentimes you're incorrect, Yes. right? So if your thoughts go to the future, that tends to create anxiety. If your thoughts go to the past, they tend to, because of something called negativity bias, they tend to remember really negative, bad things that happened to you. And that's just an evolutionary feature of being a human being. So you don't make the same mistakes. But if your thought goes to the past, you, it's kind of depressing. So the future is a place of anxiety. The past is a place of sadness and, and depression and self-doubt. Um, and the only time, according to the philosophy that exists, is this moment. Everything else is a story. Everything else is a story. And there's immense freedom in creating something new in the moment, unrestricted, being a part of yourself, a you that, that is outside of your story. And so that's where leadership comes in. Um, and leadership it could be on the field, or it could be in the boardroom, uh, or it could just be the ability to lead your life at home. Leadership is the ability to influence people. And the way I define it is a, a step above what the typical definition of leadership has been over the past years. My definition is the ability to inspire other people to rise above their own self-interests, something that is greater than themselves. And to do that, you've got to do a lot of introspection, right? And you've got to realize that the world doesn't revolve around me, right? Without other people, I couldn't even be a self. I have nobody to compare it to. I have no story to tell uh, to another person. And that we are we are truly connected and there's something very special about being human. So when leaders recognize that, instead of doing things mechanically, um, they resonate more. They embody leadership. People want to follow them. And I'll give you one quick example. I'm coming back to Coach Caruso. I notice that every time that I talk to him and, and listen to him, when I leave, I feel inspired and I don't want that to feel cliche to you. Mm -hmm. I feel pumped. And I don't know what it is, right? It's, it's 
thing. And I, and I leave and I'm like, you know what? I want to be better. I want to be better. And you know what? It's okay to be who I've been because he's got this, this human validation quality to him. Um, and I don't believe he was born that way. I think there was a series of events in his life that led to him being like this and committing to the leadership development of this, the students that are on his team. That's a long-winded answer, but I hope it was a, it was a really profound question that you asked. Yes, and I hope yeah. that helps. No, that was, was a awesome. worthy answer. That was okay, awesome. great. Thank okay. you. We really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, and leading off that, um, we want our marketing interns to experience a type of meditation that we've been able to experience with yourself mm-hmm. through the football program. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could lead us in maybe, say, like a one-minute yeah. um, kind of preempt example of meditation. And you can take it however you want to. Nice. And also, if uh, the marquee interns absolutely love this meditation, they can go on St. Thomas' website, and if you just type in uh, Dr. Brendel uh, Meditation, there's a huge list of different meditations, podcasts, different stuff you can do. So, cool. yeah, yeah. Just wanted to help. Thank you. I appreciate stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so one minute of meditation is yes. all it takes, actually. Wow. Um, okay. and, and let's start by throwing out the word meditation completely, because mm-hmm. even that has all these connotations and what, you know, what are we going to do? And the trick is you don't even make it a big deal. It's not a big deal at all. So we're just sitting. We haven't even started yet, but whatever, right? Sort of that, whatever. So put your feet flat on the floor if you're listening. <clears throat> and uh, it's good to help scooch forward a little bit on your chair because the idea is, I mean, one of the occupational hazards of doing this is, is it's easy to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so you move forward, right? And... Um, and just close your eyes. Let your eyes close for a second. Maybe just take a deep breath. Bringing oxygen to the brain, waking up the brain a bit. And then allowing your focus, your attention, to just gently include your breathing which is already underway without your needing to control it at all. So just sort of riding the waves of your breathing with your awareness, breath by breath. And so you're not forcing the air in or out. You're not thinking about the next breath or the breath you just took, but instead you are simply being with your breathing. And you can anchor your attention to a place in your body where, for you, the breath sensation is the strongest, the most vivid. It can be in the, the nostrils with the gentle passage of air in and down into the lungs. Or it can be with the, the gentle ballooning outward of the belly on the in-breath and the receding toward the spine on the out-breath. And before long, it's natural to notice that your mind wanders off breathing, and, and the general instruction here um, is simply to notice where your mind is gone. And the moment that you do that, you're already back in awareness. And that gives you the ability to gently but firmly also and compassionately 
without judgment, bring your attention back to your breathing. Moment by moment by moment by moment. The mind wanders. No big deal. Bring it back. The mind can wander a hundred times in a minute. No big deal. Bring it back a hundred times. This is a practice. And then at the end of the meditation, you just sort of allow your eyes to open again gently. No big deal. And just back in the room, sitting, whatever. And that's really hard to do. I mean, how did you guys feel that way? Mm -hmm. um, so we've done this before, so um, mm -hmm. I think going back to my very first time that we did this, I, when you would say, like, uh, beware of your mind wandering. Mm -hmm. And so the, before you had said that, I was thinking about 10,000 different things. And But mm -hmm. when you realize how much you're thinking about, you realize uh, how crazy your brain works and how many things you can think about in the split of a second. Yes. Um, and then so one thing that we do on this podcast, actually, which is really funny, that just totally sparked my mind was... Um, you did this last year, and the way I think mm. of focusing and recentering my mind mm -hmm. is like a goalie mm -hmm. in hockey mm -hmm. trapping the puck yes. after after like a, to to go to a faceoff. Mm -hmm. And so on our podcast, everything we do. So if we're <laughs> trying to transition from like one question to another or one segment to the next, mm -hmm. we say, "All right, so we're trapping the puck here, and then we go oh. to the next thing." Mm -hmm. So. That's I just great. wanted to say thank you. Yes. That's and, great. I love that. Yeah. That's a great way to to do that. Yeah, so maybe, maybe if you said that idea. Yeah, maybe if you just said like trap the puck. Let's just trap the puck in your mind or yeah, something. Transition around. Transition. Or I love this. You know, there's and, and just the larger ideas, there's so many metaphors in sports. Right? Get your head in the game. That's a mm -hmm. right? Troy Bolton. I like that one. Skip one. Yeah. Um so. I find it funny as well with podcasting. Like when you were giving that meditation, in the very beginning, I was thinking about my next question that I was going to ask you, or like my lead-in for the, just to continue the transition of the podcast. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of reiterated focusing on the breath and letting the mind go and all of that. And I was like, all right, forget about the podcast for <laughs> these sixty seconds and just focus on your breathing, um, because sometimes we do struggle on the podcast. Um, listening to the answers of the guest yeah. because we want to we want the uh, podcast to flow smoothly mm -hmm. so we're thinking about how we're going to transition what you're saying into our next question yeah. so that's why we always go back and listen and then that's when we really get a good opportunity to hear what our guests had to say yeah. oh yeah isn't that interesting mm -hmm. yeah. and what if you had that in life imagine that you could yes. play back every conversation and that's and that I could bring it back to leadership again if we have such a difficult time listening to our breath Right? Just listening to breathing. What about when a human being is communicating a need that they have or an obstacle that's in the way that a, a good leader would help take out of the way? Mm -hmm. And really listening to the human being as not an, you know, a, a commodified thing that I can get something from you in this conversation. You get something from me. But we just come at it as human beings. Uh, and that's what real leaders do. Yes. Uh, so that's a really good point. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, moving on here, trap the puck. Yeah. Uh, so, now that we've done a meditation or a sample meditation of what it's like, uh, 
we just wanted to ask you in general about meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do two roses and a thorn on this podcast. So mm-hmm. what are the two roses and a thorn of meditation? So we, we had a little chance to talk about this before the podcast. And um, it's interesting because I do an activity called rose and a thorn. And the way I do that is I begin with the premise that a rose and a thorn are part of the same, you know, organic thing that we call a rose. Um, so there are the petals, and that, that bunch of petals, it's just beautiful at the top. But there's the thorn, and life is like that. So oftentimes the, the joy you feel has a shadow side of pain, and the pain that you feel has a shadow side of joy. Um, and so in meditation, one of the things that comes up is that when you become aware of your own suffering, right, so you're at that thorn place, there's something actually quite beautiful about that because it makes you more human and it makes you connect more with other people. So what we define as happiness, the word happy, I'm going to get a little professorial here, but Mm -hmm. the word happy, what we would say the rose is, um, it's Nordic root, hap, means luck. So we often equate happiness with like winning the lottery or that first kiss that we didn't think we were going to get, you know, or whatever it is, but if you look at what happiness truly is at its deepest function, it's the ability to really connect with another human being and not feel marginalized or alone or invalidated or, I, you know, I'm not right, I'm not normal. Um, and so that, I would describe that as the rose and the thorn. And there's one more thing I would throw in there, and that's that, you know, when you meditate, uh, you are opening up a really spacious form of awareness so that if you, in the, your day-to-day life, you, f- you feel sad, instead of saying, I am sad, right? And I, like literally identifying, I am sad, you, s- you could say, I have sadness. And that allows you to hold it apart from yourself so you can ex- examine it and also let it go. But if you take this stance, I am sad, and it's part of you, that's hard. And the rose thorn situation there is that that space that you create is freedom. But as Kierkegaard once said, uh, you know, anxiety is the dizziness of freedom. So when you create that space, it can actually also create anxiety. And so there's all these, like, not to get too deep, but there are all these folds of anxiety that we have. Uh, and so the old way of doing it um, the re- very Western way of doing it is to let's examine your assumptions. Let's go back to your childhood. But the Eastern way of doing it is, you know what? Let's just let it go. The you that exists right now is different than the you that existed five minutes ago. You have different needs. Hunger may have developed in you. And possibility is there for you in this moment that didn't exist before. So that's how I would answer your question about the rose and the thorn. Um, but the bigger philosophical uh, idea there is that there's always there's always happiness with sadness and vice versa. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, so we have one of our friends, Lorch, awesome Lorch. I don't know if you're familiar with him, um, but he uh, doesn't like meditation. And he yeah. says he has absolutely no time for it. Mm-hmm. Lorch is a busy man. We all get it. Yes. You know, a lot of people are like Lorch, to be honest. Um, so what would you say 
to our friend Austin Lorch or someone like Austin, you know, uh, who doesn't like meditation or doesn't have the quote-unquote time for it? That's a really good a really good question. And my job is, is obviously not to convince people to meditate. And mm-hmm. right. sometimes people, you know, come to a point that's disorienting in their life, like <coughs> death of a sister or loss of a job or even like having a baby something really disorienting that happens to you and maybe he hasn't had that just yet or maybe he's developed coping mechanisms that are are you know just as helpful as meditation and there are a lot of different coping but working out but if you really look at it working out for instance is a form of meditation you're listening to the body it's like pure concentration on the body in the moment one form of meditation is called a body scan. So if you're running, you're jogging, or you're knitting, I don't see you guys knitting in the near future, no. but if you're simply doing something, you are meditating. So a lot of that has to do with the misconception of what meditation actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, and he probably meditates on a daily basis without even knowing it. Interesting. So that's something I challenge him to think about. Sure. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Instead of having that formal 10 minutes, yeah, it's more of that informal day-to-day routine of him going through his mind and how he tries to steal himself away from other things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well put. Um, I do want to... This is a question I um, thought of the other day when I re- realized that in, this interview was quickly approaching. Um, it was how our we we attend a Catholic school, mm-hmm. and this could considered be maybe a conflicting mm-hmm. idea with the Catholic tradition because I kind of see meditation um, in the Buddhist realm, and mm-hmm. when you think of the Catholic tradition, you think of prayer mm-hmm. as kind of how they use meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, have you had this conflict brought to your um, light through being a teacher here at St. Thomas, or? You know what's ironic, because when I first applied for this position, I I lived out on the East Coast, and I remember the thing that attracted me most to the University of St. Thomas was its mission, and the idea of acting wisely and skillfully to advance the common good. That resonated with me deeply. So whether you call it Buddhism or Christianity or whatever you... I mean, I pray. I personally pray. Mm -hmm. But the idea of sinking into the moment in order to advance the common good um, is something that is very important. And there's a flexibility here that you would probably wouldn't see in other institutions. The Catholic intellectual tradition itself is one of reflecting critically and not blind faith. So the ability to say, you know what, life's not perfect. I'm not sure I truly understand what is meant in the Bible when it says X, Y, Z. And taking time to really reflect on that and meditate on it. Um, And I love that too because, and I'll I'll put it this way, I'll try to put it in a nutshell. I had a priest once tell me that you do a lot of talking when you pray, but how often do you listen? And how effective is your listening if your mind is running all over the place, right? And who's doing the praying, right? Right? Who is the you that's doing the praying? Is it the one that wants to succeed, that wants life to be perfect? Um, And so prayer, if if done from a place of um, a healthy mindset, one that is calm, calming yourself before you listen for the spirit, um, and feeling and actually listening not only with your mind, but your body, your soul. These are very important things in the Catholic tradition that are not considered separate. Um, 
so they actually help and inspire each other. And there's one more thing I would say, which is that Buddhism was really turned into a religion, but Buddha himself, if you look at the root, was really just a masterful psychologist and was listening to the mind. And his, his primary proposition was that when the mind wanders, right, and, and goes off by itself, um, it produces suffering. And there are passages in the Bible, in the gospel, as a matter of fact, where uh, one of my favorite passages, and I'm going to screw this up, but Jesus said, you know, do not worry. The birds do not worry, right, about their next meal. Just just be, right? And this paradise is right here in front of you. This gift is right here in front of you. Um, so I, for some reason, have always seen them less as conflicting. I know society tends to, um, but at its root, if you really understand both, they're really just about being truly human. And forgiveness is another big part of both, right? So that idea of non-judgment, right, is big. It's in prayer, right? Forgive those who trespass against us. And I would end this little, I would trap the puck. How did you say it? Yes, trap I would the puck. trap the puck by saying, <laughs> when you forgive those who trespass against you, forgive yourself as well. Um, because the narrative of your story uh, is also a trespass against um, the full potential of yourself to, to advance the common good. Mm-hmm. So I'll end on that. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so another favorite thing we love to do here on the podcast is play a game. Uh-oh. Um, We're huge game guys. Huge I like game that. guys. I like so it. we know that you um, love saying the art of meditation is the um, art of doing absolutely nothing. Um, And we've heard you say this before. So we're going to rattle off a few things that we believe um, that they're doing nothing. And we would like to hear your gut reaction on that. Oh, that's great. And you give your two cents on if they do nothing or or if they don't. Okay. Um, I love it. You go. Please start. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'll start. Mm -hmm. Um, So... (laughs) Who's good at doing nothing? Uh, the Minnesota Vikings on offense. <laughs> My wife would agree. So, okay. yes. Okay. okay. Uh, a supervisor in construction. You always see that guy standing, watching other people doing You know, I don't know. I think like he might foreman? be... I think he might be fantasizing about, you know, mm. being an opera singer or some mm. missed opportunity he had okay. in life. So I'm going to say no on that Okay. Um, less miles with two minutes left in the game. So really bad at the two-minute drill. Bad at the two-minute drill? Yeah. Do, you know you Les, know, do you know who Les Miles is? No, I, give, give me guy, a little... guy who eats grass, um, used to pl- who used to uh, be a coach at LSU, Louisiana State University football team. Um, yeah, he's just really bad at the two-minute drill. Big-time football guy. Though. Big-time football guy, yeah. two-minute drill. You know, it really depends. I'd have to really jump into his mind and see what's going on in there. But if he's eating grass, I have questions already. Yes. Yeah. And if he's smoking it, that's a whole different issue. Whole different issue. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, a sales rep in retail. When you walk into Macy's and they're just standing there and you're like, if you're really looking for a new outfit and you need help, but they're just going to be standing over in the corner pretending to fold the shirt. Yeah, I've, I've actually experienced that before. <laughs> Now, uh, I think that something happens with the, that music in the background or that music, right? It kind of mm. lulls you into a state of... Uh, trance? You know, trance. So it's like, it's, and that's different, you know? So the idea of spacing out is actually different than meditation. So I say no okay. to that one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another one, um, the Timberwolves, NBA team, uh, the Timberwolves in the playoffs the last 10 years. They've done nothing. <laughs> 
I'd have to agree with you on okay. that one. Okay. Um, when you're at the view late night, the workers and the employees uh, here at the cafeteria. Um, well, first of all, have you ever been to the view like at any time between like seven and seven thirty? I've never been, but I want to hear this because okay. it okay. sounds fascinating. Andrew, to let's me. get into it. So we, as football players, attend the view. From seven to seven thirty after practice every day because we get out of practice around six thirty oh, take a shower. Okay. And we, by the time we get to the view, it's seven o'clock and it closes at seven thirty. Okay. So they know that we're rushing in there and we feel like they um, kind of just stop what they're doing and let us just bombard. Really? Um, huh. And I, and then it ends up kind of just being kind of a mosh pit of food everywhere. Yeah. I don't know if that's an our th- uh, that's an our problem or if that's a view employee problem. What do you think? Uh. I would go ahead and say it's it's a it's a view problem. Okay. Because um, like if they're if they're well, giving out l- lasagna for the night and we're eating all lasagna, well I'll tell you what uh, four linemen will go through a tray of lasagna. Um, there's no there's not gonna be any lasagna after that. So yeah. you know skinnier kids like Andrew and myself can't get it. And so you know if they're doing nothing, then obviously there's not gonna be any more lasagna, which has been the occurrence. And uh, if they were doing something, maybe we would have more lasagna. I'll throw out some food for thought. No okay. pun intended. Mm. I think that, it, you know, what may be occurring here is that the workers in the view are standing there in awe of how hungry you are, that they can't move. <laughs> they are actually shocked into a state of just utter abeyance, and they have no idea what's going on. You come in, there's spaghetti sauce flying, it's like hitting the wall, you guys are so hungry we are. that they are shocked. So mm-hmm. I, I want to just throw out that yeah. possibility okay. to reflect on. Something to think about. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then my, my one that I really am dying to ask is um, my little brother. He's a freshman in college, and I feel like he's doing nothing. That is probably true. Mm-hmm. That is a freshman curse. Okay. Um, so you get out of your, especially if you're away from your parents who are always on your butt about doing something, cleaning the yard. It's kind of nice in that freshman year to do it. There's the danger of it. Um, and I don't know your little brother too much. You're very his name's Matthew. Matthew. So yes. Matthew it may be very different from you. You're you are industrious. We're sitting here doing a podcast. You don't have to do a podcast. Mm. Uh, I think Matthew could take a few pointers from you, but I also think mm. you might take a few pointers from Matthew. Absolutely. Well said. <laughs> um, so I have another one. Um, I'm an engineering major. Um, I think business majors don't do anything. Well, wow. Okay. That's a whole. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what to say yeah, about well, that. I'm a business major. Yeah. Oh, well, here's this oh, wasn't in our okay. preemptive list here, here's, so here's, this is a curveball. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a curveball. Don't know where to go, but I think there might be something deeper between you that I don't know about. Well, uh, it's not Maybe between we us. Want to say, that, I would say, you know, I have a lot of friends that uh-huh. are business majors. I have a lot of acquaintances. You know, people that I see all the time. My roommates per se are also business majors. Um, so I'm, I'm usually my my schedule is roughly you know wake up, go to class all day, go to football. And uh-huh. then do homework and engineering stuff at night. And I don't get back till around ten. And say it's a Thursday night. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Tiffany's Sports Lounge. Uh, uh, everyone's going to Tiffany's Sports Lounge on Thursday nights. Yeah, it's uh, about. I'm a not block. even getting. I'm not Ford right. Parkway. Ford Parkway. That's mm-hmm. a block from my home. I know yeah, exactly oh, where that you're is. You're gonna have to yeah. stop by someday. Not on, on Thursdays. Thurs- no, uh, where on, on Thursdays? On Thursdays. So President Solvin, we asked if she'd come with us on Thursdays, and uh-huh. she said she would know too many people. 
Oh. Um, so she turned us down on that offer. Yeah. So we'd okay. like to extend our hand as the back pocket and say, oh. would you like to come to Tiffany Sports Lounge? Maybe on a Thursday. Yeah. Maybe a different time. But Thursdays are usually the... Uh, Days where we like to go. Yes. That good students also like to go as well. Well, it's good to know that Thursdays are the going out night still. Yeah, correct. Um, yeah, because 20 years ago it was yeah, going same. out night yeah. for that's me. Good. That's yeah. good to know that things haven't changed. But yeah, so yeah. I'll be I'll be coming home at like 10, 30, 11, you know, because I've been working my work my tail off all day. Uh-huh. And then, you know, all these business majors, they don't even have class on Fridays, so they just go out on Thursdays, and, uh, you know, they don't really have much homework, so they just, you know, get to, I have, think you, they get to party and have a good time. So it's like, I feel like they do nothing. I think you should switch majors. Mm. Yeah, I really do, yeah. because to have off on Friday is kind of a miracle. I never had off on a Friday, okay. so I'm with, I'm with you on that one. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely with That's you. I'll concede. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew knows how busy I am. Yep. Um... You want to ask the next question? What was the next question? I got it. My phone. So with the, our podcast, we started it in um, uh, late February of this year, um, and we recognize that you've maybe done podcasts in the past. Mm-hmm. Have you been a part of or have you led podcasts? You know, it's interesting. I've been interviewed a lot, okay. um, mm-hmm. and it's it's so interesting. I mean, I, the people that connect with me, they come from all different uh, areas, and the, the first time I got interviewed for a podcast... I was, I, I, you know, I speak in front of crowds of 250, 400 people, no problem. I just never really had a problem with that. Mm-hmm. But podcasts and even like leaving voicemails, I'm, that, that would be an average quality of mine too because sometimes I'm good at it, but sometimes I just run on and on and on and it's just... Or you get like stage fright. And I get, yeah, oh, it's like right. a podcast fright. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, but I think that the key is the interviewer. So you guys, and also the... The place where you're doing it. So I, if we you call guys it the Washington Capital, the Washington, the Den Washington Capital. If you guys could, the listeners could be where we are right now. You'd immediately be disarmed, mm-hmm. uh, confused a little bit, but it would take you out of your own mind because it's a it's a room of many colors and uh, stimuli, mm-hmm. and also the the people who are interviewing, like the two of you, make make one feel very comfortable. So huh. for those who podcast out there. I would say make your guests feel as comfortable as you can, and it takes it takes that edge off. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, would you say that was his tip for us? Yes. Do you have any other tips for us or advice? Oh, yeah, I don't know. I, what do you? How about you guys? Do you have any advice for me? Like, if I got into podcasting, what would you mm-hmm. tell me to, to kind of watch out for? Okay. So first, I think it comes with the name. The name of your podcast is a very strong connector to your audience. I really? I feel like that's okay. immediately what's going to grasp. Uh, new listeners. Okay. Um, for us, we were the back pocket. And okay. how we came about this name was we went to Best Buy to pick up this mic. Right. And that was the only thing we had planned for this podcast was we needed a mic. So we went to Best Buy and we got a mic and that's what kickstarted our journey. Yeah. And cool. on the way back, we had initially thought of our time, but we were looking through podcasts and we recognized there was already a podcast uh, on our time. Okay. And then it kind of just came to me out of the blue was the back pocket. And I was, and I was like, "Well, why the back pocket, Andrew?" Um, well, our tagline was going to be your wildly average podcast, which it is, and it is, <laughs> and it is, yeah. Um, so the back pocket is kind of like your secure, tucked away, last choice, yeah, area when you're carrying things. Yes, um, but it's always something you rely on. So yes. like, if so, like our podcast, we have twenty. This is our twenty seventh episode. Yes. So we have twenty seven episodes. They're all on iTunes. Go ahead and subscribe and listen. Five star um, review, please. Five star review. Um, but the d- the idea is you can go back and listen to our very first podcast and catch yourself up all the way there. 
just oh. like your back pocket where you're reaching back for your wallet. You expect your credit card to be there. You expect your driver's license to be there. But you're not always relying on that driver's license. It's only when you get pulled over or when yeah. you need to get into the bar or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. So let me let me throw out one. You tell me if this is a good example of a back pocket. And this is sort of a dirty little secret for, for professors. Okay, mm-hmm. so This would be very interesting mm-hmm. for you. Now, professors have to pretend like they know what they're talking about because the students, you know, they pay a lot of money to go to school. Sure. Right? Oh, and, but yeah. the professors mm-hmm. don't know everything. And the truth is is that when you get a doctorate, uh, I remember when I graduated, I felt like I knew nothing. It was even worse than when I entered graduate school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a bat, this is a tip also for you. So if your professor asks you a question, you can also reply like this. If you don't know the answer to a question... An accurate answer tends to be, it depends. Or, even better, if you really need more time, you say, what do you think about that? Yes. So those two things I would suggest are a professor's back pocket items, and they might be yours too. So just think okay. about Those are some tips. That is what my dad did to me. Every single time we had a conversation <laughs> that involved, like, seriously, like, if I was in trouble or something, like, and I, um, he would always respond with what did you think about the situation before he would say anything nice so i would have to put all my cards on the table and then he had the perfect opportunity to see where my head was at and nice take advantage of that situation and give me the opportunity to learn from what i did wrong that's brilliant Mm -hmm. wow good dad yes he's a great dad cornell Cornell grad cornell grad also oh yeah he was uh on the podcast uh this summer oh so if you want to go back and listen yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely Cool. Um, so uh, this is a, one of a new, a new, newer segment that we uh, decided to pick up. Uh, you're our first, you're our trial run guinea pig here. All right. Um, so the the segment is called uh, "What Is Your Bar Story." So a little background on this. <laughs> um, just imagine yourself, you know, sitting at a bar, uh-huh. Tiffany's Sports Lounge. Maybe okay. Let's start Thursday. visualizing that. Yes. Um, yep. So imagine yourself sitting at Tiffany's Sports Lounge before it's, the crowd comes in. Before the big crowd comes in. So let's say it's Thursday happy hour, like four o'clock. You just got off work. You're blowing off some steam. Uh huh. Um, you know, you live right by there, so it's a quick walk home. That's right. I'm no right problems there. No there. Um, so yeah, you're just sitting there. You're enjoying. You're just enjoying the atmosphere. You're living in the moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's say you know someone just walks up and sit ne- sits next to you, whether it be you know a hot girl or whether it be you know just some random guy. Regardless, he's sitting right next to you. You got. You can't just have this negative space or just have this empty. Yeah, that's uncomfortable. Empty space. Um, that's very, very uncomfortable. uncomfortable. You're not yeah. going to enjoy yourself if you know you're sitting next to this guy and not having any sort of interaction. Mm-hmm. So right, right. you know what? What do you talk about? Right? You know, you're going through your head like, "How's your day? What's the weather?" outside but really at the end of the day like you want to get have this guy uh know who you are so then you're like okay well let me tell a story and so this story is something that's going to obviously grab his attention Uh you know have him understand what's going on but then at the same time you know a a decent story of like who you are as a person so Uh going from that what's your story all right so i'm going to put myself in that moment i'm here i am i'm at the bar and i I'd look at the guy and I'd what's your, say... What's your drink of choice? Oh, martini. Martini. Okay. Yeah, I'm a martini guy. Nice. My wife makes really mean martinis. Okay. Nice. I love martini. I probably consume 12 olives a week, nice. I would say. Okay. You know, along with the martinis. Okay. Uh, nice. That's a good way of putting yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just... Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if I was sitting next to a guy, I'd, I'd, I'd kind of disarm him a little and I'd just look over at him and say, Do you play golf? And, it's a great uh, opener. You know, do you play golf? You look like you might play golf. 
And now I, when I think about people sitting at a bar before the crowd comes in, they had a tough day, like you said, you know. And so this is a tough day story. So I'd say, do you play golf? Well, let me tell you why I will never play golf. Oh. Mm. All right. Ever again. Okay. And I made that decision at a very early age. My father brought me out to this big golf range, right, on the Hudson River, right, where Sully Sullenberg landed his plane, right on that strip. And there's a big group of Japanese businessmen who work out there. And they were all out there banging away this, their golf balls, hitting them miles away. It was my first time on the range. It was my, I really wanted to impress my dad. You know, that's kind of like what happens when you're a little boy. I wanted, I wanted to make him proud of me. I wanted to hit the heck out of that ball. So he gave me one of his clubs. I took the club and I wound up. And when I swung, I mean, I swung as hard as I could. I let go of the golf club. And it was one of those moments where the, the club sort of spun in slow motion and time slowed down. My heart sank into my stomach. And that thing, I mean, I, I threw that golf club probably further than I can throw it today. And I looked up at my dad. And he looked down at me, and I said, Dad, I don't, I, 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 I'm sorry, I don't. And he just pointed at all the Japanese businessmen, and I said, what? He says, you need to go and ask all of those businessmen to stop hitting balls, and then you need to go out and get that golf club, <laughs> all right? And so then they had to do this walk of shame through this field of golf balls to pick up my father's club and that's why I will never play golf again mm. that's a great that's story that's a great story yeah. I was able to visualize Thank that you. story pretty well too Thank that you. was good that's <laughs> awesome appreciate it Japanese businessman mm-hmm. yeah that's good stuff alright so uh, should, we, should we finish the podcast let's do it how we always do okay so mm-hmm. we finish our podcast or our interview with uh, two questions for our guests mm-hmm. uh, the first one being a story of a famous person you met mm-hmm. and the second one is what did you learn from the time you woke up till now? Great questions. Mm-hmm. Great, great questions. So I'm going to answer the first question about a famous person I met from the standpoint that I always get starstruck. And uh, for a long time I lived in Manhattan. I was on 80th and Columbus. And that's an area where there are a lot of famous people. You know, mm-hmm. like... Uh, Actually, two doors down from me, Christopher Walken. I don't know if you guys know, oh, we know Christopher, Christopher Walken. Walken. He yep. looks two down, you know, more cowbell. More cowbell, come on. Right, so. Oh, dear honor. That's yep. the movie that no one yes. likes, but I love. <laughs> yeah. Catch Me If You Can. I think yes. he was the dad. He played the dad in yep. that movie. So he's two doors down, and then you got Matt Dillon, who lives, like, two blocks over, and I'd see him drinking coffee there. Kevin Bacon, you know, his wife, Alec Baldwin, Robert De Niro. They're all in this area. Oh, Matt nice. Damon. Right, so, so we should it, go there if, if you want to start. So we should move to Manhattan or wherever you were. Well, it, I'm telling you, uh, I remember running in these five Ks, and Ooh. Julia Stiles was running right next to me. And uh, you know, I, even when I was go to the gym at Columbia, I'd see her doing sit ups right next to me. And I, and I, I really, I really liked Julia Stiles, but mm. I never could open my mouth. Mm. So my story is less interesting than uh, it might sound, but I met. While I was going to grad school, I was a, an extra in movies. So I would sit in the background and do absolutely nothing. Nice. And I'd get paid for it. Mm-hmm. So it was a no-brainer. So I wrote my dissertation in between takes. And I met this guy on the set of, uh, what the heck is that movie? Uh, the Bourne Ultimatum. 
Okay. You're we'll an extra in the portal tomato? Yeah. Can, can we, like, if we went to back and watch it, can we see you? In yeah, there? I'm in the final scene where they're all breaking into the, that office. Yep. Uh, and I walk, my, my role was to walk right past Matt Damon as he's walking in. They always see me, I'm on the screen, and it's really, really big time for about a, a split second. Yeah, half but, a second. So we're yeah. definitely going to go ahead and uh, yeah. but, play that through. Yep. But I met Matt Damon's double, right? And so uh, that is probably as famous a person as I've actually met was Matt Damon's double. Okay. And I thought, what a what a crazy life that must be. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. I wonder if that double is a reoccurring double. Like, if he's always asked to be... He is. The extra, he is. Okay. He, he flies around the world. And I actually asked him, like, how does it feel to look like Matt Damon and to basically follow his shadow all, all the way around the world? And he's a half... Uh, you know, half full, glass half full kind of guy, mm. and um, so he's had a chance to meet a lot of famous people and, okay. and uh, have other enjoyable things mm-hmm. occur. Nice. Very cool. Yes. That's awesome. So then, our final question would be: uh, What did you learn today, from the time you woke up to right now? Good question. Good question. Well, I've gained a little weight. Okay. Mm. And uh, so my pants are fitting a little more tightly than they usually do, and I'm I'm a little upset about that. So, okay. but I'm I noticed that judgment. I'm going to tie this full circle. Watch this. Nice. Just, just watch this. <laughs> so judgment does not help, right? And letting go of the narrative of oh I eat too much food and that's never helpful, right? If you want to snap back and get in shape. So my goal today is to let go of that narrative get out and do some walking in this beautiful weather. It's amazing, uncommon fall, sunny day. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I've learned. Well, hey, we could all learn a little bit from you, and I hope all of our <laughs> marketing interns learn from you in this interview. So thanks for having us, or thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. That was great. Thank yes. you very much. Thank you, Dr. Brendel. Yeah. So that was our interview with Dr. Brendel. Thank you so much for coming to the Washington Capitol. It's always a pleasure having our interviews here, local, home. It's a comfortable experience for us, and it really gets to show our interviewees what we're about. Yeah, and I think when we, so when I, I schedule all of our interviews, or the majority of our interviews, and uh, one of the questions I always ask, you know, and, and always ask is location. I usually ask people, usually the professors or someone, and I'll be like, well, do you want to do the interview at your office or wherever they're located, or do you want to come to our studio? And, you know, when I say studio, they don't think it's a small box on the top of a house built in 1888. They just think of, like, a normal room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this thing, this the Washington is uh, very sacred to us, and I don't think, I don't get that point across to them before they come in, but once they do come in, uh, like Brendel, uh, they're absolutely blown away, and they understand why we come up with such great ideas because it's just a great, it's a safe space, like we say, uh, mm-hmm. for for controversy and for uh, pretty sweet stuff. Uh, so thank you again, Dr. Rendell. And now we'll kick it to the back end of our podcast where we are rolling, cruising. For all of you new to this podcast, this is when we are at our best. We hit you with a what did you learn segment, what did we learn segment, and a feel-good story. So, Declan, could you start us off with what did you learn today? Yeah, so this one is tough. Um, we're going to have to go ahead and transition to a little depressed decal. Okay. Um, so let's just go ahead and set that tone now. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the Broncos, they stink. And, uh, they stink. They stink. The Broncos absolutely stink. Hey, Broncos, you stink. They stink. So they're just brutal. Um, so yesterday they got 
uh, obliterated by the Chargers of all freaking teams uh, against Philip Rivers and his eight kids and Melvin Gordon and Joey Bosa and all these, you know, they're decently decent players, but we lost the Chargers. And you hate losing to a division rival like the Chargers because I just hate Philip Rivers with all my might. And, you know, it's just tough to see us lose in the fashion we did, 21 nothing. Shut out in the NFL. Yep, and uh, that's not good. It's not good at all. Um, I don't know where this team's going to end up. Uh, you know, we always start hot, and then, like last year, we uh, almost made a late push for the playoffs, um, but, you know, at the end of the day, offense wasn't good enough. O-line stunk. Now we're here again, similar situation with a stinky O-line and, you know, I love Trevor Simeon, so I'll never say a bad thing about him, but he's not playing well either, so. <sighs> mm. The Broncos, man. That's what I learned. Okay. Um, myself, uh, so that sharing of what did what you learned is kind of a curveball to what you typically do, um, and I'll lead into that now. Um, so what I learned is kind of a 27-episode-long a, a podcast of learning. It is... This segment tends, for myself, I share an experience where you tend to share a fact. fact. Oh, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a, not a great a good idea. Point. A good point, right? It always happens. Yeah, it tends to always happen where I share something that happened to me throughout the week, or you share something that you learned factual in one of your classes or through a conversation you had. Right. Um, and I think that's really cool. We always have that fine balance between each other. This time, you had a little curveball. You shared yourself. You shared an experience that you just had, had yeah. happened to you. Exactly. Um, but we have that balance that, you know, sometimes we don't even recognize until 27 podcasts in. Yeah, sometimes it takes us eight months to realize something that happened. Uh, but you, that's the, the whole point is you have to look, look back and be like, oh, yeah, that's what happened. So mm-hmm. makes sense. So uh, way to take a step back there, Andrew, and uh, learn something new. Thank you. I like that. Mm-hmm. So now we'll transition to our feel-good story. Um, this one is r- a true feel-good story that will make all our marketing interns feel better. Um this week is St. Jude's Up Till Dawn Week fundraiser. Um, so the St. Thomas football team, three years in a row, has been the highest um, raised club um, organization in the St. Jude's Up Till Dawn program. And we've been a- we've had the opportunity to fly out um, football players to um, Memphis, yep. where St. Jude's is located, um, to experience what, uh, what St. Jude's is all about. And... This is, again, our, an opportunity to do it for four years in a row. And so I challenge our marketing interns, if we reach out to you, to feel free to donate, donate as as, you, as so as you please, yeah, um, as much as you please, and uh, make uh, everyone feel a little bit better. Yeah, and just, you know, uh, it's not really necessarily about the donation, but the impact that it has on the kids. So at St. Jude, all the money that gets donated is used uh, for research um, for the kids, um, you know, to help them get better with all the medical uh, bills that they have to pay and everything. And if you send your kid to St. Jude, uh, you actually don't have to pay anything most of the time. And they actually cover your cost of living and everything like that. So um, St. Jude does an amazing job with all that, all their their amenities. But the only way they're able to do that is from the donations of uh, people like you guys. And so it's our duty to, uh, you know, ask to uh, raise some money. And like you said, Andrew, we do a great job of it every year. I think it's just because um, we're very good at communicating. We have very great relationships within our uh, social circle. Um, so, yeah, again, we ask, uh, you know, everyone that's a part of this podcast, all the marketing interns, to uh, step up. We'll reach out to you guys, 
and uh, let's make it happen this year once more. So, uh, what's our goal this year? Is it like 50000 or something like that? Whatever it is, we'll hit it. Yeah, whatever it is, we'll hit it. We'll let you know. Uh, so, with that being said, uh, have a great Monday, folks, and uh, we love you. Take care. Take care. I